Welcome back to World Changers. This is the podcast where we analyze the lives of some of the greatest people who have ever lived. Yeah, thanks for being with us today. And today we're going to talk about Mahatma Gandhi. And Mahatma means the great souled one. The great souled one. Yeah. And he had a great mustache too. Killer mustache. Also, interesting, well, we'll talk about Some people think he's more known for his mustache than some of his works, right? Do they? Just I've heard it both ways. <laughs> All right, let's let's go ahead and jump right on into his life. Give a little summary. So, Mohandas Karankan Gandhi was born October second, eighteen sixty nine, at Porpandar, which is in present day Indian state of Gujarat. Yeah. So born in India, and. He was a pretty reserved child. He grew up and wasn't super, didn't really excel in school. wasn't really uh, anything noteworthy going on then. His uh, his dad was a chief minister. His mom was very very religious. Yeah, he got married when he was thirteen. Crazy arranged marriage. Arranged marriage. 13. Yep. And his father died in eighteen eighty five when he was about sixteen years old. So there's another one for checks you. Checks the box. Yep. Uh, also, he had a baby die in that same year. Yeah, when he was like 15 or 16, right? Yeah. Crazy. Kind of crazy. Yeah. He was a little bit rebellious in his teen years, uh, <laughs> rebelling by eating meat, which obviously was something that... It's messed up. It's a cultural thing. <laughs> messed up. But, uh, yeah, so at 19, he uh, leaves home and goes to study law in London. Mm-hmm. at the Inner Temple, one of the four colleges in the city, four law colleges. Yeah, so he was in London for three years. Cool. And he comes back uh, in mid-1891 to set up a law practice, and it just kind of fails. Yeah, he doesn't do very good. He, it seems like his personality is not really cut out for the competitiveness of the legal field. Yeah. So he doesn't do very good. So he's, how old is he at this point? He's 22? 22. 22, and nothing cool has happened in his life. So, yeah, this is the early 1890s, and he hasn't really done much besides get an education, which is, yeah, nothing yeah. to sneeze at. You know? Yeah, it's impressive, but... <laughs> he, uh, he soon accepted a position at an Indian firm, and they sent him to South Africa. Yep. So he goes to South Africa, and... Uh, he would end up spending about the next 20 years in 20, South Africa. 20 years in South Africa. There was, like, a, an odd year or two when he went back to India, but... And while he's there, he sees a lot of uh, discrimination on being an Indian immigrant. Yeah, racial discrimination. And it's interesting that this racial discrimination that he saw and his reaction to it kind of brought out his Mm self-confidence and uh, assertiveness. And he started to fight against it and try to help the Indian people get some better rights in South Africa. Uh, One point... In particular, when he uh, was kind of uh, persecuted, was he was on a train and he, he didn't want to give up his seat yeah. to a, uh, a European passenger, and he was thrown out of first class and beaten up by a white stagecoach driver. So it's almost like a Rosa Parks scenario. Refuses yeah. to give up his seat, he gets beat up, and that really changed his. It was a turning point for him, and he started to uh, really wanted to. Um, develop and teach this idea, this concept called Satyagraha. Yeah. 
sort of peaceful protest. Yeah, truth and firmness, passive resistance. Yeah. But uh, a way of making a change without having to fight. Yeah, exactly. Nonviolence is definitely one of his one of his principles. And in so a few a few years after he went to South Africa, he was actually going to head back to India. He was going to be done in South Africa. Went, but then there was a, a bill that was being considered by the government to that would deprive Indians of the right to vote. So some of his his colleagues, uh, people that he knew there, just basically convinced him to stay and help them fight this because no one else really had the skill or determination to to sort of lead that fight. So he ended up staying in South Africa. Yeah, and um, it uh, this kind of. Uh, this campaign of civil disobedience yeah. started in about 1906, and it went about eight years. So, it uh, yeah, and like you talked about, about their right to vote, and um, the uh, the abol- abolition of the existing poll tax for Indians. So it was just pretty much Indians were kind of being discriminated in a variety of forms. Yeah, um, mainly with their ability to vote and. He led this this protest, I guess, against it for yeah. for eight years. Yeah, and the people who followed him, they were willing to, you know, peacefully disobey the law and accept the consequences. So lots of people went to jail. Um, so, like, w- one of the things he did was he just he urged them to break the law, and, but and to suffer the punishment for doing so. Exactly. So that's what we mean when they were like protesting. So. Um, for example, people had to be fingerprinted and carry a form of pass if if you were Indian. And he told them, don't do that. Just don't do it and suffer the consequences. So uh, thousands of people were imprisoned and, you know, flogged and shot and persecuted. Yeah. And so they just kind of, they break the rule and then they just take the punishment, which is a really novel idea. Yeah. So just a way to, to sort of bring the reality of the injustices to light. So in 1913, uh, Gandhi was finally allowed to kind of negotiate a compromise with the South African statesman to sort of reinstate some Indian rights. But um, So he made a little bit of progress with that and then uh, ended up leaving South Africa in 1914 to return to India. And... Back in India, he didn't he didn't take an active role in politics right away, but eventually, um, the British started to institute some some laws that were uh, depriving Indians of certain rights. And so, another sort of instance of satyagraha was was begun in about nineteen 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 twenty. And a lot of political turmoil followed, including one major outbreak of violence called the Massacre of Amritsar, where British soldiers just fired machine guns into a large crowd and killed about 400 people. So kind of crazy. Yeah. When was that? That was in, uh, I think it was in 1920 or 1919. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, I see that. Yeah, is this, so at this point, Gandhi's urging the, the Indians to refuse to buy British-made goods yeah. Kind of boycott their educational institutions, their law courts, resign from government employment, and to forsake British titles and honors. And it was really successful. And 
1922, three protesters were being killed, and in response, an angry Indian mob set a British police station on fire and killed 22 occupants, and at that point, Gandhi backed off, and he stopped the the protest. Yeah, that was a common theme among all these protests, is like, as soon as Gandhi's followers resorted to violence, he was like, I'm out. Cool. We can't do this. Yeah. No violence allowed. So he kind of backed off, but only temporarily. And uh, at this point, around in the 1920s, he was the most visible figure in the movement for Indian independence. Yeah. So just to give you guys a little context, Britain is... India is a colony of Britain. Yeah. And so they're kind of controlling them from a distance. And, and so is South Africa. Exactly, yeah. And so they just want to ultimately get their independence. It's really similar to America. America was being taxed for a lot of different things, and they didn't have representation, you know, yeah. in the government. And it's kind of the same idea. People can only take it for so long. So it's at a similar point in time. Yeah, another notable protest was in March and ni- March of 1930, where it was called the the Salt March, and this was a satyagraha against the British imposed tax on salt. So they walked many, many miles to the Arabian Sea and made their own salt. <laughs> yeah, this is probably one of his most famous protests. Yeah. And by the time... About 80,000 Indians that went along with this. 80,000, I'm sorry, millions of Indians. And there were 80,000 Indians that were jailed. Crazy. During this, yeah. They must have just filled up all of their... I know. How do they have rooms to fill to put all those people in prison? So, sort of goes on this pattern, right? And and, uh, there there ends up being some... A lot of complication with uh, Gandhi's sort of quest to unite India. So he he wanted India to be independent and not be under British rule but he also wanted them to be united and especially uh, one area that was especially hard to do that with was uh, religion and there was a lot of tension between the Hindus and the Muslims exactly yeah so so it just kind of continues on throughout his life right so he just keeps he finds something that he thinks is unjust yeah. Most of the time that has to do with the British rule on India and what they're imposing on their subjects. Mm-hmm. And then he does some sort of protest, some sort of walk, some sort of peaceful peaceful rebellion, and almost always gets his way. Yeah, and the it, people love him so much. So people like, loved him. Well, he, he, he along this route, he would get jailed multiple times. Yeah. A couple times he got really sick in jail. His yeah. wife actually died in prison, but he got he was getting really sick. They thought he was going to die. And they let him go because they thought if he died in prison, there was going to be a revolt. Yeah. There was one time he got appendicitis and had to have surgery, and then they let him out at that point. So he also, another thing that he kind of protested was there were a a class of Indians called the untouchables. Yeah. And he called them the children of God. Mm -hmm. And he just wanted them to be treated like everyone else. So he went on a fast. So he went on a series of fasts. He actually did 17 fasts. Some as short as only a few days. And some, I think two, actually went up to 21 days. Yeah. So th- this that's another wa- way that he would kind of utilize his idea of peaceful, 
protesting. Yeah. He's not doing anything to anyone else. He's just hurting himself. But when he would fast, it would cause an uproar among his followers. And there were a lot of reforms that came quickly because of it. So really cool. Just a really cool guy. Yeah. And eventually um, it all led to India's independence in 1947. Yeah, so 1947, by this time he's been through both world wars. He's seen both of them happen, which yeah, is kind of crazy to think about. And the Boer War in South Africa was a pretty big deal. Yeah, so his life has just been crazy wars. and But yeah, they get their, um, their independence, happy day. The only problem is they kind of split up the newly found country into two countries, Pakistan and India. Yeah, and they do it along religious lines. Exactly. So Pakistan was predominantly Muslim and so, India was predominantly Hindu. So he was very opposed to the partition, um, but he agreed in hopes that maybe they could achieve peace internally, the Muslims and the Hindus. Yeah. But that didn't really work out. Yeah. So So in January 1948, mm-hmm. he's on an, another fast, trying yeah. to bring, you know, his purpose is to bring peace to the city of Delhi. Is that how you say it? Yeah, Delhi. Delhi. And, yeah, on January 30th, he was on his way to his evening prayer meeting and was shot three times from point-blank range. A man named Naturam Godse. I don't know if I yeah, pronounced he, it perfectly. Interesting yeah. enough, though, he was a Hindu. Right. Which is crazy. Yeah. So a lot of people felt like he was a traitor trying to bring everyone together, you know? Couldn't please everybody, obviously. Exactly. And so he had a lot of critics, but he was trying to bring everyone together. And, yeah, I think he was killed by a Hindu because the uh, some of the extremist Hindus thought that he was too sympathetic to the Muslims. Exactly, yeah. So, so the next day, about one million people followed the procession as his body was carried in state through the streets of the city and, and cremated on the banks of the holy Jumna River. So a million people kind of reached out for him, but... Yeah, crazy. He was a popular guy. All right, should we move on? Yeah, let's go on. Okay, so we'll talk about his major accomplishments. And, you know, we kind of touch on them during our life summary, but we'll kind of go in a little bit more in depth. I mean, his biggest accomplishment of all, obviously, is bringing independence to India. Yeah. That's the biggest one. And that was his main goal the whole time. Exactly, yeah. Um... Yeah, I don't, know, I don't know if there's a lot more to say. Uh, everything else was building up to that. Right. So he would do. He fought a lot of little battles that most of them had to deal with get, kind of getting Britain out of their hair, you know? Like, let us do our thing, or at least don't restrict us in any way. Yeah. Which kind of all of those point towards get out of our lives, let us be our own person, you right. know? And so, yeah, that's his greatest achievement. Yeah, so and we can we can talk about this maybe a little bit more later, but I'll just bring it up now, which is uh, obviously the impact he had after his death. Um, he was sort of the instigator for a lot of the same types of movements that mm-hmm. happened later in the twentieth century, like Nelson Martin Luther Mandela, King. Yeah, Martin Luther, Martin Luther King. King and Nelson Mandela were probably the the most obvious examples um, having to do with. Um, bringing together, yeah, you know, getting rid of prejudice across racial lines. Uh, so yeah, Martin Luther King definitely mentioned Gandhi a lot, mm-hmm. um, 
and Nelson Mandela as well. Uh, Albert Einstein was a big fan. Yeah. And especially after the detonation of the atom bomb in Japan and sort of how we talked about that in the Albert Einstein episode where after that happened, he was very anti-atomic bomb, you know? Yeah, yeah. So he was very... Uh, he admired the nonviolence mm-hmm. uh, principle of Gandhi. Yeah. No, I, I definitely I feel like he's similar to a Socrates, where Socrates kind of started this movement, and from Socrates spawned some of the greatest minds of all time. And, he, and Socrates was as yeah. well one of the greatest minds. But I felt like Gandhi, this approach to nonviolence, obviously wasn't entirely new, but. I think it was unlike anything people had seen, you know? Socrates, Aristotle, Plato, yeah, Gandhi, MLK, Mandela. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, seriously. But I just think, and what's, what's so interesting is while this is going on, two world wars are happening, you know? Yeah. And his, his idea to make change is by no violence at all. Yeah. I just think it's so interesting. Huge contrast. Yeah. Well, let's move on and talk about some cool stories, some fun facts about Gandhi, yeah? So, Mahatma Gandhi was nominated for five Nobel Peace Prizes. Nobel Prizes. Nobel Peace Prizes. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Five times. Guess how many times he won? Zero. Zero? Yeah, kind of Oh my crazy. gosh, WTF. Like the king of peace. Yeah, kind of, I mean, kind of nuts. It's kind of like how Einstein didn't win a uh, Nobel Prize for his theory of relativity. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, unofficially, he won. He won it for you, optics. You mentioned there were like a million, what million people in his funeral procession. Yeah. The uh, it was actually fun fact. It was eight kilometers long. His procession. Wow. What is that in miles? Do we know? Uh, like five, I think. Wow. Yeah. So five miles. Cool. That's crazy. So, um, Gandhi was responsible for civil rights movements in four continents and 12 countries. Pretty cool. That's crazy. Uh, he traveled or walked almost 18 kilometers a day throughout his lifetime, which would be enough to walk around the world twice. Wow. Oh my gosh, 18 kilometers a day? Yeah, so like, 12 or 13 miles. That's nuts. I mean, that's probably an average, obviously, but... Steve Jobs was a fan of Gandhi. He, um, he wore round glasses that weren't just similar, but also a tribute to Gandhi. That's cool. Yeah. So Steve Jobs was a cool dude. Um, I mentioned the Boer War before in South Africa, which, which broke out in 1899. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of cool that despite Gandhi fighting oppression from the British he sort of had a sense of duty as a citizen of the British Empire you know he's thinking like we want to be part of this British Empire we want to have equal rights we got to act like we're part of the British Empire so he raised a corps of 1100 Indian volunteer soldiers to to help fight in the war cool and there's a cool well, I'll save it for the quote section so like I said he went on a couple fasts and a few or two that actually lasted 21 days. One at which he was 73 years old at the time. And Time Magazine actually reported on this. They said, quote, a panel of nine doctors announced that Gandhi's 
Remic condition deepens as if his fast is not ended without delay. It may be too late to save his life. He was too far gone for blood transfusions or glucose injections to be of help. Government bulletins prepared Indians for the news of his death. Only a body and a will that have survived a lifetime of fasts and jailings kept Gandhi alive. So they like looked into it about how he could fast for 21 days, and they're like, he should have died. That's crazy. Yeah. Some divine intervention there. Yeah. And they um, they go on to talk a little bit more about how he actually fasted. Because fasting is kind of an um, ambiguous term, you know? There's like black fast. Uh, yeah, you that's know? true. Was he drinking water? Yeah. Must so have been, he, obviously, if he for 21 days. So. Yeah. So he said before he'd go on a fast, he would actually have lemon juice and honey with warm water. And then throughout the fast, he would keep having water occasionally with salt or lemon juice through the day no matter how nauseous or weak he felt. And to minimize the loss of energy, he would sleep more than usual. The time reported in 1943, quote, each morning the Mahatma was wheeled on his bed to a palace bathroom to be shaved and washed. He was massaged twice daily, had mud packs placed on his head, and he was given occasional enemas. So still really impressive. But yeah, like some salt, lemon water. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't want to go 21 days just on that. Yeah, crazy. Um, when he was studying law in London, so he kind of had a hard time getting acclimated to life in London. Obviously, he had grown up in India, much different culture, uh, especially the fact that he didn't eat meat. But he found a, or actually before he left, he promised his mother that he wouldn't touch wine, women, or meat. So kind of a cool little promise there, but he... Uh, he found a vegetarian restaurant in London that he would go to often, and he became a leader in the London Vegetarian Society. Wow. So, kind of random. Interesting. Yeah. Fun fact, Brett talked about how Albert Einstein and him uh, kind of admired each other, and, and they actually exchanged written letters. Oh, cool. And one of these letters Einstein wrote about Gandhi, quote, we may all be happy and grateful that destiny gifted us with such an enlightened contemporary, a role model for the generations to come. Generations to come will scarce believe that such a one as this walked the earth in flesh and blood. Crazy. Dang. And then Gandhi cool. also exchanged correspondence with Adolf Hitler. Oh. Yeah. And uh, he requested Hitler to make an effort for peace. And in the letter, he actually called him a dear friend. And there was like some controversy about that, but he reached out to him and pretty much said, I, re- I read the letter, it's kind of eerie, but he said like, Your, these wars might bring all of humanity back to, you know, like a caveman state and you seem like the, the only person on earth who can stop it. Wow. Yeah. And he like asked him to, to kind of strive for peace, but obviously Hitler did not listen. But cool to see... You know, these great people that are contemporaries reaching out to each other and connecting. It's always fun. That is really cool. Uh, I'll do one more. Okay. He, um, Gandhi actually spoke English with an Irish accent. What? So, (laughs) um, because one of his first teachers was Irish. Cool. So. I love the Irish accent. Yeah. I love listening to to Conor McGregor. Yeah. So I got two more. One, uh, one of his biggest outspoken political critics was Winston Churchill. Winston Churchill hated him. Really? Yeah. I mean, 
obviously he's he's going away from Britain, you know, and that's probably not good for that oh, to happen on, one, on Churchill's watch, you know? Sure. But, yeah, kind of funny, you know, that he was around amongst all these famous people, these great men, and it's interesting to see his interaction with them. But Yeah, I got one more, actually. Okay. Um, he actually helped establish three football clubs in Durban, soccer, I guess, in South Africa, um, Durban, Pretoria, and Johannesburg. And all of them had the same name. They're called the Passive Resistors Soccer Club. Dope. <laughs> PRSC. My last one is uh, his image appeared on all the denominations of the Indian rupees since 1996. Oh, that's cool. Really cool. Yeah. All right, let's head over and talk. do some fun little quotes real quick. I'll go first and just give that one that I was going to. So speaking of the Gandhi's participation in the Boer War and fighting for Britain, even though he was kind of fighting against them, um, the Pretoria News said after... Uh, so. Anyway, this is like kind of a portrait of Gandhi during that war. It says, After a night's work which had shattered men with much bigger frames, I came across Gandhi in the early morning sitting by the roadside eating a regulation army biscuit. Every man in General Bueller's force was dull and depressed, and damnation was hardly invoked on everything. But Gandhi was stoical in his bearing, cheerful and confident in his conversation, and had a kindly eye. Cool. So, kind of cool how he could... Yeah, obviously, like, he went through a lot in his life, and he was able to, you know, stay positive and cheerful through the whole thing. Yeah. Um, okay, got, my first quote is, uh, be the change that you want to see in the world. Nice. Yeah, that's, that's one you see a lot. Uh, why don't you do another one? I'm looking for one here. I will not let anyone walk through my mind with their dirty feet. Huh. Um, we talk a lot about Gandhi's political uh, accomplishments, but kind of his main focus was on religion, like personally, for his own personal um, improvement. It didn't necessarily, and he didn't really get a lot into the dogma or the formalism or ritual of, of religion, but he said, what I have been striving and pining to achieve these 30 years and he wrote this in his autobiography, is to see God face to face. Wow. And, yeah, he didn't really believe that that would be accomplished by, obviously by doing what other what others might do, which is to go in isolation, you know, go and live in a cave somewhere and yeah. try to get to know God. But um, he thought it had to be found in the, you know, kind of the challenging context of social and political life. Cool. Happiness is when what you think, what you say, and what you do are in harmony. Nice. I think that's really cool. I think that kind of hits home a little bit, you know? People who aren't happy, they, you know, they're kind of lying to themselves in one of those, one, one of those forms. But Yeah. Strength does not come from physical capacity. It comes from an indomitable will. The weak can never forgive. Forgiveness is an attribute of the strong. Cool. Uh, you must not lose faith in humanity. Humanity is an ocean. If a few drops of the ocean are dirty, the ocean does not become dirty. Freedom is not worth having if it does not include the freedom to make mistakes. Hmm. That's cool. 
got any more? An eye for an eye will make the whole world blind. Yeah. Did That's, he really say that? That's such a good one. It seems like it. It was either him or Abraham Lincoln. Right? <laughs> Earth's, Earth provides enough to satisfy every man's needs, but not every man's greed. That rhymes. The day the power of love overrules the love of power, the world will know peace. These are some good ones. This guy's so awesome. Should we, uh, do you want to do a couple more? Or should we go out and talk about his... Let's talk about why we think he was great. Yeah. Okay. I'll go first this time. Okay. So, I think, obviously, he, Gandhi, some of the attributes he had was he was fearless in the sense that he didn't care what other people in the world thought of him. You know? I think yeah. that takes a lot of bravery. I think he gained control over his body by the series of fasts and physical torment that he kind of went through. So I think that was really a cool part of it. And I think he was just also really wise. I think he knew what was the right thing to do, and he didn't fear doing it, and he had the endurance to survive it. So I feel like those three things, they go all kind of together in a line, but a lot of us, we might have one or two of those, but we kind of get a wall that kind of stops us from going on further. Does that make sense? And I think he's on this list. I mean, I think he's... Uh, I think he I don't think anyone we've done so far has done more with less violence than he did Yeah, I think a lot of people took over the world and people you know conquered Europe and people did these amazing things like these generals but to see what he did and how much he united people with just love and patience and truth and abhorring violence in all forms, I just think that was so cool and so unique. Yeah, I would say I think that whew, Gandhi, I think he's the greatest one we've done so far. And it's because of how much self-control he had. You know, He was trying to accomplish something great, but he knew that he couldn't force it. And maybe he didn't have the resources to force it, but but that's a question I think I would ask is is it okay to force it? I don't think so. To like, you know, I'm gonna i I'm gonna bring unity to these people by by killing anybody who opposes me. And that's kinda what we see with people like Alexander the Great and Julius Caesar. Um, they had great skills and were able to lead people, but it seemed like they kind of abused it, and Gandhi didn't abuse the influence that he had. Or almost they didn't have the patience to, yeah. to, to make a real lasting change. It was just kind of like my way or the die way. Yeah. You know, you're going to die. It was, yeah, they only saw one way really to accomplish what they wanted. Mm-hmm. And I think most of their desire to accomplish what they did was selfish. Mm-hmm. It, to, it almost made them feel powerful and strong. Yeah. It's not that they were really trying to, you know, enlarge their content, their, their country. Yeah, they weren't trying to make make lives the... I mean, maybe that was kind of a side effect, but their main goal wasn't to make the lives of other mm-hmm. people better. It was, it was to make to, their own lives better. It was to win. 
yeah, all competition. But yeah, Gandhi, it seemed like, had a real uh, genuine love for his people and desire to make their lives better. He worked tirelessly to lift up society from the bottom up, mm-hmm. working with the lowest of the low, the people who had nothing, and trying to educate them and give them opportunities to uh, improve economically, to have more uh, more money, more resources to, to make their lives better. And so that lack of selfishness, that selflessness that Gandhi had, I think, puts him over the top. There's a cool quote I've heard that says, the true character of a man is how he treats those who offer him nothing. Hmm. And I was just thinking about the untouchables and those people that were like not even human almost in the class system and how he treated them like they were children of God, you know? Yeah. Really cool. I think that's all we got. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. Yeah, catch us next week. Uh, Be sure to follow us on Twitter. Yep. Yep, that's WC, sorry, at WC underscore pod. Uh, Posted a couple of things from the blog the last week or so also. And be patient if we can't get back to you right away. We got a lot of people riding in, and it takes us some time to go through them. So if we don't respond, we'll get to you. Yeah, send your questions. Uh, check out the blog. You can go straight to uh, worldchangerslive.blogspot.wordpress.com. And request any, you know, any people you want us to get done. And thanks, guys. Yeah, see you next time.